everyone. Welcome back to Reality 2.0. I'm Katherine Druckmann. Doc Searles is with me, and we're going to talk about facial recognition, but specifically um, a tool that helps you identify whether or not your Flickr photos have been used to train AI systems. So before we get into that, though, I wanted to remind everyone that we, we do send a newsletter, and you can sign up for it at reality2cast.com. That is the number two. There's a link on that site to subscribe to it. We send out short emails every week. We usually just include a few links about what we're talking about. Um, so you can dig a little deeper. Um, and yeah, that's it. We promise to keep them short and or interesting, possibly even both. Um, it, yeah. it occurred to me that somebody ought to have a newsletter called Noseletter. Just, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe a spy one or, you know, something has to do with that. Just a, just a thought. I, I just did. I, I, when you were talking, I had like the equivalent of like a typo, but for my ears, you know, or, I, <laughs> a newsletter. or a newsletter. Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah. That's yeah. So, funny. so this tool, so you've tried it out. Well, let me let's yeah. give everyone a little bit of background. Um, so we, we, we came across this in a CNN article, actually, um, linking to this tool called exposing.ai. Yeah. And you can plug in your, your Flickr username and it will tell you all the various systems that have used your photos to train AI. And I don't know about you, Doc, but I plugged yeah. in, <laughs> I plugged well, in my so, account. So I didn't have as many as you, but. I've actually seen this before, but I hadn't seen it recently. And it's, I'm glad somebody serviced it again, just so you know, uh, to be fully clear on it, it's, it's CNN business. And I guess we could put this into the show notes or into the newsletter. Yeah, it'll, this link will be in, in the yeah. notes on the episode. Yeah. Yeah, and the headline there was uh, this new tool can tell you tell you if your online photos are helping train facial recognition systems, and um, you know so, and it and it's specifically it's for Flickr photos. Now Flickr does a really good job of not only letting you annotate your photos, but um, you can caption them. You can put you can actually like put a little rectangle around somebody's face and saying, you know, this is Catherine Druckmann, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, uh, or just, you know, Catherine or whatever else it might be. And, but also they do a good job of letting the photographer use a Creative Commons license. And so I have, uh, you know, 70 some thousand photos there. And I think of the ones that I have bothered to license, there's like uh, 60,000 or something like that. This is since 2005. I've accumulated a lot of photos there. I really like Flickr. It's attractive to photographers for a whole lot of reasons that I think are good. And, but there's this thing where, you know, every good technology could be used for bad purposes. And if, if you think training AIs is a bad purpose, then here we are. And so when I used exposing.ai, that's what it's called, exposing.ai. And I recommend anybody who's got a Flickr account, use that just to see what happens. And you put in your handle there, mine is Doc Searles, all one word. And it, it came back with this, 855 unique photos from the Flickr account, Doc Searles were used in the last two image data sets related to facial rec face, face recognition. The photos were uploaded between 2005 and 2014. 20, yeah, and I think probably since then, I have not, I've done many, many fewer photos of people since, since that time. And I don't know whether this is, you know, this particular 
cut at the use of something for facial recognition is to one, it says to at least two image data sets related to. It isn't, oh, it says that we found exposing AI, I'll read a little more from it, found 851 on in megaface, these photos and three million plus others were used for facial recognition in at least 78 projects in 40 countries. And then it goes into more about megaface. Now I read some of my photos being used by Clearview. Clearview is another, a far more well-known, I think, um, company. Uh, and I think it was a smaller number in that case. It was like 200, some of my photos. I don't like it. <laughs> and, and that's, um, and it makes me think, you know, what, what's the remedy here? Well, the first remedy is one that I've already done, which is I just don't upload people's faces anymore. Um, yeah. Because I, there's a risk. And even if I have their permission, you don't know how they're going to be used. Now, if it's a, a public figure, like um, one of the photos they show here, two of the photos, like uh, Joey Ito and um, uh, Elena Kagan, uh, who, you know, Joey was the head of the uh, media lab at MIT, and he was in the news about a year and a half ago. I won't say because it's he's a friend, and I thought he was overexposed for something that was not fun. Um, and Elena Kagan uh, and Jonathan Zittrain sitting next to her, that was from 2008. I shot a lot of pictures of Elena Kagan when she was the, um, the dean of Harvard Law School, as suspecting that she would in fact be um, nominated for the Supreme Court. And in fact, she was. And an interesting thing happened then. The, um, there was one especially, I think, flattering shot. I wanted to get good shots of her. And uh, and there was one in particular where she was speaking at a dais at an event. And, uh, and that one was used a lot when she was in fact nominated, but it was used mostly by uh, some, you know, by right-wing uh, news organizations to try to pull her pants down or whatever, however you might put it. I'm just, it's probably a bad metaphor, but trying to, to expose her as, um, to expose her sexual orientation, which she talked about, but, but, you know, frankly should not have been a factor, but they were trying to say that she lied. And, and an interesting thing is they were going all about her lying and not a damn one of them acknowledged that I had shot the photo, which is what their license required. I had, I had a, um, a creative commons um, license that, that requires uh, attribution. Now, I don't care that much about getting the attribution. I just, that's sort of my, my, um, my way of seeing if anybody's using them, you know, and, and just seeing where they show up, which is kind of just interesting to me, but it's a good, I, I, just, I just looked up yeah, that photo, by the way, it's a great photo. Yeah, <laughs> I love like the, the orange the jacket. Background. Yeah. It's yeah, a great photo. Yeah, and it's, it's apparently photo. on, it's on her Wikipedia article. Yep, it is. Yeah. That's and, great. <laughs> and, and I should <laughs> really say, you know, good. I mean, it, it, this is one of the things that's kind of disappointing to me. I have, far as I know, there's no way to tell. And I'm probably, this is probably, if this is not a true statement, it's close enough for me to yak about a little bit. It's possible that I have more photos on Wikipedia than anybody. I've put none of them there. Um, I shoot lots of pictures out of airplanes of, of geological formations and small towns and, and national parks and coastlines and radio and TV transmitters, all sorts of stuff. And I put them in Flickr and I annotate them generously. And, 
and they get, and they show up in Wikipedia because people want to illustrate them and all they need to do is put them in Wikimedia Commons. Wikimedia mm-hmm. Commons gives me the credit, but then um, because Wikimedia Commons and Wikipedia are related, then if you click on them, you'll find the attribution at Wikimedia Commons. So Wikimedia Commons is kind of this buffer, this holding place for photos that, sh- that might show up in Wikipedia. There's one I took of the very distinctive um, uh, uh, exterior of the airport in Denver, uh, the Denver International Airport, DEN is the, is the uh, short handle for that. And of course it looks like a mountain range. It's the, the largest tent in the world. And it's, it's interesting. And I've shot, I'll shot that a lot. And there's one photo there that's in like 20 different Wikipedia. A lot of them are just the same one in different languages, but there's, there's a lot of that. And, and I would like to do more of that. You know, I would like to put up more pictures of people, but I don't want them training AIs. Because that's, you know, and I'd like to see maybe if it could be done a, a you know, an extension of the license the at the, the uh, Creative Commons licenses is not for training AIs. But the thing is, there's nothing to stop that. It's kind of like doing that track was in the first place. It's a polite right. request. And frankly, all those licenses are polite requests. You, you can violate them all over the place. Very few of them ever get litigated. Unless you're in Canada. So that, that was something else that, you know, yeah. we, we brought up um, that Canada declared Clearview AI's activity effectively illegal. And they declared that it was illegal, I believe, under existing law. So, I mean, it's, you know, that I think that any legal gray areas are going to be worked out imminently. <laughs> you know, I think that, I think this yeah. is going to be an ongoing thing. I'm glad that that. Uh, Canada did in fact make such a declaration and, and a uh, interpretation of their law clarification, if you will. And I hope that we're not, you know, too far behind, but you know, I'm also not holding my breath. Getting back to exposing AI. I don't know about you, but I had a definite visceral feeling when I plugged in my username to this app. And it, I, I, of course, I don't have anything like the number of photos that you do. And, and I don't yeah. have Elena Kagan on mine yeah. either, but like, I do have some it... interesting people. But I found 28 photos mm. and they were they were used by a bunch of different uh, entities. Megaface is one data set. Diveface uh, is another. Wow. And there are different my, ones that found. Yeah, mine. it That's lists different ones. And and I had my, my reaction was I, it felt so icky that I felt like, and I don't, not to be gross, but I kind of felt like it was like being notified that I had a communicable disease and now I need to go back and notify everyone I've been in contact with. That's kind of how it feels. I feel like now I need to go back and tell all of these people in these photos, hey, your photo has been used uh, to train, you know, whatever project it is, Megaface, let's say. And there it is. Like, I I just, you know, I feel like, I, I feel like I owe somebody that just at least a, a basic notification and it, it's a very so, strange feeling that was that was the, that's the closest way i can ex- describe it it's just it feels like it, it, it definitely it, feels violating but it, it, it does. it's just a weird weird it's hard to describe how but that's that's the best analogy i can come up with well it's a little bit of you know there's um uh, i'm going to be profane about this but you know that the uh there's this uh, apocryphal probably never was written song which the the title for which was you were only fucking while i was making love uh 
Um, <laughs> it, it's a little of that, though. I mean, it's like I, I, we're, I'm doing something nice for friends, you know, yeah. uh, because, you know, and, and here was this birthday party, here was this wedding. Mm-hmm. More commonly for me with, especially with the Berkman Klein Center, I shot a huge percentage of their photos. I think they're not a pro account anymore, meaning that Flickr has probably gotten rid of all of their older ones, um, photos. But if you look at their, at, at you know, I, I you know, I, I, there, if I went to um, Bergman Center, I'll, share, I'll search for that one. Um, it used to be called just Bergman Center. And it says there are 246 photos there. And of the ones that they've used, you know, the, the, the photos that got used, here's 240 more photos. And there's ones of Charlie Nesson. Um, there's ones of some other people I know. Not so many of mine that I thought. Um, uh, but it, it's it, it it's sad. I, and and it, it, I don't know, it just it annoys me. But here's the thing. So here, here's a thing, not the thing. There are many of the things. Or this is a thing. I think a number of people hearing this would say, well, what about China? You know, th- th- how many billion people are in China? China has... The government has every one of those faces. The government is following every one of those faces. If, you, if the government wants to look up where those faces are right now, it can tell you exactly within a second, supposedly. Anyway, that's the report that I read. And they have that whole social uh, social grading system where if you get caught, you know, if the if the surveillance camera sees you jaywalking, it it uh, it goes against your record and all that kind of stuff. It's mm-hmm. it, it is one black, big black mirror episode. And there's this other one which is. Both Scott McNeely and I forget who else said this as well, which is forget privacy. You just don't have it. Forget it. You know, and this is like decades ago um, because we're on the Internet now. There is no more privacy. And and that's kind of the new default. And and we we haven't worked out how privacy works here yet. And I think my belief is the only way we work that out is from our side. We have to have ways to say what's okay and what's not okay. And. And it's, and, and we haven't got those. And as long as we're doing it only from the policy side, uh, we're not gonna get it. And we're not gonna get it if it suddenly becomes illegal to do this. I mean, in the state of New Jersey, for example, it's illegal now to use Clear, Clearview AI. But you know, there's really nothing to stop a cop or somebody from, you know, the, it's, this particular thing exposing AI says they search something like six different databases. They were able to get into six of those. And let me, I'm going to look at, uh, okay, here, here's one. So VGG phase, PIPA, mega phase, IGB dash C face scrub and dive phase. Those are the ones they could search. And, but that's not, that doesn't include Clearview AI, right? Mm-hmm. I just, I just typed in the name of another one of my Flickr accounts called infrastructure. And it's all about things. There are no people in it, but I just want, I wondered if I had any people in it because if I did, they might've seen it, but they didn't. Uh, but I also don't know whether it's because I license those to allow, um, you know, re- reuse with attribution, and they're using a loophole in Creative Commons in order to look at those. Then, and they're not looking at ones where it's all rights reserved, or are they? I don't know. I mean, that's yeah, an I interesting question. And the photos. But, well, the photos I'm looking at are are they're Creative Commons, but they're non-commercial. And I would argue that these data sets are definitely for commercial use. So they're not respecting the, the, the license in that regard. Yeah, and here's an interesting thing. I, I was advised years ago by somebody, 
it may have been at the Berkman Center, but it may have been somewhere else that the license I should be using is simply attribution only and not non-commercial attribution only because it was more likely that they'd show up in Wikipedia if they were simply attribution only. So I haven't, I've, I haven't done the non-commercial thing. And I actually don't mind if there, some of them are used for commercial purposes. I, photos I took of ice in the windows of, of an apartment that I had in Arlington, Massachusetts, ended up being the wallpaper for the 2010 um, Vancouver Olympics, Winter Olympics, oh, wow. and NBC used them. And, and they contacted me and they said, hey, listen, now you, you've got these uh, CC licensed photos of, of ice crystals and uh, we like to use them, but we can't attribute it on every time it appears on screen. Is it okay with you if we run them into credits? And I said, sure, go ahead. I didn't realize it would be their wallpaper. I mean, it, it was in every shot behind every score. It was in everything. And, and I, again, I didn't mind. It was kind of fun, you know, what the hell, you know? And, um, and a friend of mine said, well, didn't you at least get tickets? <laughs> and then after that, I said, <laughs> I said to the guy who wrote to me, say, Hey man, could I have tickets? You know? And they said, Oh yeah, come on out. You know, but the Olympics were already underway at that point and I was busy and I couldn't go. It's, it's too bad. I probably could have gone. I probably could have gotten something out of it. Uh, but, you know, there's a, there's manners involved in this. What, what, what should the manners be? You know, we, we gesture to each other all the time in the physical world about what's okay and what's not okay. We even have it like with, with masks, right? I, I go for walks here in my neighborhood, right? And it's a somewhat sparsely populated neighborhood, but I mean, it's in the sense that there are a lot of people that, are, that aren't out. Uh, I mean, houses are not that far apart, but it just aren't that many people on the road. And, but, I, but I do go for walks and, and I, have a, I have a mask in my pocket. If people are coming along, I put the mask on my face. But I don't always because actually we're 40, 50 feet apart. And, and people you know, generally nod to each other and wave and stuff like that. In fact, I think there's a new ritual where people will make more exaggerated gestures because you really can't reach, read each other's faces. We're wearing masks like, like bank robbers would have used years ago, you know, or like in old Westerns, the, the robbers always you know, covered everything but their eyes, right? And that's kind of what we're doing. And, and, and there, there are new norms and mores that, that happen. And every once in a while, before I get my mask on, I'll get like a scowl from somebody who has their mask on and I, and I, and, and I feel the rebuke. And it's sort of interesting, but these are like little gestures that we have in the physical world. We don't have them in the online world at all. <laughs> you know? So how do we get those? And I think there, this has to be done on the individual side. There, have, there has to be ways of doing that. And as long as all the agency is sitting on the side of systems into which we opt in and opt out at all times, it's going to a completely broken way of operating. Yeah. Uh, and I don't have an answer for that. I just have, you know, I, you know, what are the, you know, my customer commons, my .org. Um, we have a privacy manifesto. In fact, it ran a Linux journal at first. Um, and it, it's been updated a little bit since then, but basically it says, this is all personal. We ought to be able to, you know, cover ourselves and have uh, clothing and shelter and ways of signaling, but this is just abusive. And it is. And, and consider, yeah. consider going back in time to the moment you took these photos. Like I'm looking at this and, and all of the photos, I think that it's, that it's uncovering were taken in 2008. A lot of them were at events, some were South by Southwest and, and, and that kind of thing. Right. And, um, and it, I mean, 
I would have never considered that this was something I needed to worry about at that time. You know, again, we, we were we were in a good we we posted these things in good faith from a a a a place of positivity, let's say. And and you know, all these years later, it feels so icky. And 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 that's the part that I really struggle with. Like how you know, how could we have prevented this? I suppose we could have locked down our accounts. We could have deleted everything, but we, you know, the, the, the very, at the very beginning of, of our awareness of, of facial recognition, uh, data, you know, and, and image scraping, but you know, it, I don't know. Did, I, I don't know if we also read the description earlier, earlier on in this conversation, but, um, this uh, exposing AI just has a little description under under each uh, data set that it that it's uncovering and and Megaface in particular is a little, it's it's really sketchy. I mean it, it says it says according to reporting from the New York Times the Megaface data set has been downloaded thousands of times by companies and government agencies around the world, including U.S. defense contractor Northrop Grumman. In QTEL, the investment arm of the CIA, ByteDance, the parent company of the Chinese social media app TikTok, and the Chinese surveillance company yeah. Megvi? I don't know what that is. Yeah. It also it found download requests from the Danish National Police Team, Defense Science and Technology Group in Edinburgh, European Law Enforcement Agency, Europol, Facebook, Google, Hikvision, Huawei, Yeah. IARPA, Microsoft, Military Technical Academy of Bucharest, Russian law enforcement and security agency contractor Stillsoft, SenseNet, SenseTimes, Tencent, Turkish police, and and, uh, the, wait, who else? Oh, the CEO of Clearview AI, among thousands more. And and you're going like, I feel like those people have just broken into my house. That's literally what, what it feels like. And it's, I don't know. There, it feels like there should be a way to prevent it, but once it's out, you know, you can't get it back. But, yeah. I yeah. mean, like you, I don't post photos of, of people's faces on the internet anymore, but we're in the minority. Most people do. And they post their children and they post other people's children. And they post, um, you know, how many images have you seen recently that are people posting on, on the internet, a screshot of, of, uh, their kids online learning. It's, it's yeah, I know. I mean, my, um, uh, you know, my, my, my grandkids were online and have been completely scraped off at this point, um, by their dad, you know, who many years ago, I mean, they're, they're now 13 and 10, but you know, when they were younger, you know, we all felt a little bit more okay about it, but you know, the, the family made a decision that, wait a minute, you know, let, leave it up to them to put themselves online eventually yeah. if they wish. And there was a fantastic uh, Onion parody back in 2011 about um, about Facebook, that that Facebook is, it, Zuckerberg himself is a CIA agent uh, called the Overlord, and he managed to create this thing that, a lot, that gets, that, that became every law enforcement system's dream come true, you know? which is here's a way to get everybody to reveal everything about themselves. So when it comes to law enforcement, it makes our job easy. And that's what's happened. I mean, that is exactly what's happened and that, and, and most law enforcement say, I mean, you know, you're trying to solve a crime and you really, you know, you, you don't want to have to go to the trouble of getting a court order and the rest of this. And so, Hey, look, here's this free thing. And I can find these people. And this is happening right now, of course, on the, the uh, the January sixth uh, event when 
when when when Congress was was invaded, right? And 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 the FBI is, is and other law enforcement bodies, because there are a number of them involved in that, are just not so much having a field day, but they have a monstrous number of photos to go through and videos to go through that they've had to obtain from the people who were shooting this stuff live. And it's and that's an interesting thing that it, because we've got you know it the the curb weight of people who were involved in that event shooting video and pictures during that thing and the number of reporters doing the same thing was like you know a thousand to one you know meaning that wow there's just so much more information there but here's here's another place i want to go with this and, it, and it's another one of those things i don't have an answer for but it's that you know, there's this rule in technology that says what can be done will be done until we figure out what's wrong with it. And then we just stop doing that or we try not to do that. And we're way past that point with facial recognition right now. I mean, it's the genie that's out of the bottle and granting every request ever and, and not going back in that bottle. It's just done. And it's a little bit like um, uh, Michael Crichton's um, Andromeda strain or, or, you know, Ice Nine in uh, Cat's Cradle, you know, something that changes the world and isn't going to go back. Uh, kind of like COVID, sorry. <laughs> it's kind of like COVID, yeah. But, you know, at least we have, you know, we're getting a vaccination for COVID, but, you know, and, and we'll keep up with it. I mean, flus mutate and the rest of it, and we sort of stay ahead of the flu with the annual flu shots and so forth. But my, where I'm going with this, though, is that it just may be that one of the things that happens with and we can never get rid of with living in a digital world is, is near absolute surveillance by centralized systems and systems we don't even know on the one hand and including infinite wrong information because that appeals to people's prejudices yes. just completely out of control. And I mean, to me, one of the things that that, um, I mean, it's one thing for the government to say to say Facebook, okay, you're not going to share these pictures with anybody. You know, you know what people look like, you're not going to share that with anybody. And they could maybe obey that, but they can't change what they do. And, and what they do is, is amplify engagement and what causes engagement, you know, it is, well, misinformation is really great for that. So they have like yeah. a giant misinformation system that works really, really well, and they can't stop it. It can't be stopped. So, but maybe we're in a world now where that's, that's one of the things we're not going to be able to change, you know? So it's kind you of bring like, up an, you know. an interesting point. Did you read a, a piece in the New York Times by Kashmir Hill recently about a woman who went on a massive revenge misinformation campaign that ruined this guy's life. It had something to do with a former employer and a family business. And I'll, I'll link to the article um, in the description. Yeah, here, yeah, a vast web of It vengeance. was horrifying, horrifying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all over the internet. And you know, you couldn't search this guy without finding just the most vile, vile stuff. And of course it was all false. And eventually it did catch yeah. up with her, but not before doing a tremendous amount of damage. And 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 you know we're talking about vaccines and whatnot. And where you know where's our vaccine for this? You know it's uh, I don't know. It's something. Surely there you know something must be done about that. I don't know what the answer is. I'll have to do a lot a hell of a lot more research, I suppose. But but it is a, it's a disturbing thing that misinformation can catch on a lot quicker than than truth. Yeah, it's yeah. more interesting. Yeah, I, I I read that, and it's it's 
it's brilliant and troubling and uh and 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 horrifying because it could happen to anybody i mean yeah. i've had i've had a couple of a couple of occasions where somebody just decided i needed to be brought down in some way and um uh and it was really disturbing and it was the kind of thing where i finally was just able to you know talk to the person and become human to them so you know um and and it was nothing like this i mean it was just more like um i'm just going to give this guy some shit you know but it it's you know especially when somebody is wrong about you you know there i i know of one case is actually not about a person is actually about a technology where the attack on it is it has some decent criticisms in it, but it proposes an alternative that has no specifics in it. And, and it's just like there, a decision was made by somebody that I'm just going to give shit to this tech. And, and it's a different thing. And the tech does, the tech is fine. You know, so it can take it. It's not like a human being. It's going to fe have feelings. Uh, but it's very, very easy, you know, to, to make somebody else's life miserable. And it's, yeah. and, and this kind of thing with the facial recognition is um, it, you know, I, I think part of the prop, the problem for me with it is it's not human and yet it wants to, it's really good for what is human. And what's not human about it is that we as human beings don't remember specifics about faces we have a gestalt understanding. We have a general understanding. It's not specific. It, it's tacit. It's what they call tacit. It's, you know, we recognize the face, but ask to describe it, the thick eyebrows to thin eyebrows. So there is, you know, how far is their mouth from their nose? Uh, you know, what are their, do they have dimples? Do they have a cleft chin? How long are their ears? We don't remember this stuff. It's, it's, it's more, very general. And in a very similar way, uh, we don't even remember how we start the sentences we end or know how we're going to end the sentences we're beginning most of the time and yet somehow convey meaning to each other. And that's a grace of being a human being. Computers want to be specific and explicit at all times. And, and so that's, you know, and so by having computers at our disposal as law enforcement, for example, um, or marketing, we can, oh, wow, I can, I can follow this person all over the internet. I can learn everything I can about them. And we could do bad things like what this person did in the Kashmir Hill um, case, this getting vengeance at a guy. And wow, I mean, it, you know, I, and I don't know how to fix that. I mean, it's like, yeah. we can't get rid of computers. Well, uh, so, so that's another thing as far as how, how to fix it. You know, so, some people have a skill set that at least it helps them mitigate damage. It may not fix it completely, but we can take a little bit more control of our digital identity. We can, you know, if you have, if you own your name, you know, you own your domain name, you can, you can, you know, that's a step. You can, you can populate the internet with content relevant to you that, that you approve of if you have those skills. And also if you, you know, if you have the skills to do so, you can set up your own image gallery, password, protect it, share it on with you with your family. So you never post pictures of your family on Facebook or whatever, but that's, you know, that's not doable for a lot of people. You know, it's, it's, it's a hell of a lot easier to just give up and say, well, it's impossible. It's impossible to, you know, to have any privacy, but that's that, you know, that can't be the answer. It, I see a little bit of a parallel, actually, again, going back to COVID and vaccines. There's, 
there's a lot of discussion recently about the fact that people who do not have access to the internet are incredibly disadvantaged because this, you know, most of the of the vaccine rollout has been via online forms, online registries. You get, you know, you get a text message to your phone and you go and fill out this form really quickly. But I mean, who 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 is who is advantaged there? Obviously, people who are well connected, connected at all times, uh, can drop everything to go fill out a form, and that's just that's not everybody. So, you know, it, it's hard to say how you solve this problem. I, I like to say all the time that, to, you know, nowadays everybody needs to be a cybersecurity expert. You have to, you have oh. to have a level of expertise in order to not just get totally screwed <laughs> somewhere, you know, you're, and, something's going to get hacked, something. And, and even people who are, they still get screwed. But, but at the same time, it's just not a reasonable goal for everybody. You can't expect every single person on the planet to have that skill set to protect themselves. So, you know, so what do the rest of us who do do about it? Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know. I, well, I do know. I, I, what I know is that it's impossible. It's actually impossible for all of us to be security experts. And even if we are security experts, what can we do? Yeah. In many cases, the answer is nothing or, or just go live, you know, live in an igloo somewhere with, with no connection to the outside. Uh, or, you know, it, I mean, and, and I'm not exaggerating here. I think, I think you need, you, you need that, you know, some kind of Faraday cage around ourselves to, to, to prevent personal information from leaking out. Yeah. But, you know, there, you know, as, as, as Kevin um, Kelly put it years ago, um, the internet's a copy machine. You know, I mean, you send me a photo, you've actually just copied it. <laughs> you know, you send me an email, you're actually just copying it. You, we both have it now. And, and so it multiplies, everything wants to multiply. And, um, and of course getting, you know, memeing things and making sure they multiply all over the place is, is to some degree a sport. So, uh, man, I don't know. I mean, I, I would like, you know, I, I mean, I, I just think it's going to take years to work yep. this stuff out. And it's kind of like, you know, and some of it's going to be with policy. Uh, I, you know, my inner libertarian chafes at that because I think, you know, right now is, you know, I mean, most new laws protect yesterday from last Thursday and, right. and right now is last Thursday and there's a future yesterday that's going to get protected from now and now is going to change. And then we'll have those laws for another X years. And, you know, it's, it's just, right. you know, it's just bizarre. And, well, so I, 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 don't, I don't trust lawmakers either a whole lot, you know, oh, gosh, so that's no. another thing. <laughs> no, <laughs> but whether or not the solution is regulatory or, or not, you know, I think, I think that the scale of the solution has to reflect the scale of the problem in some way. And I, you know, I don't know, aside from, you know, legislative channels, I don't know what that means. I mean, it could, you know, it, it could mean something that I haven't thought of. And I, and I would love it if people listening uh, could weigh in on that, because if, you know, I, I would love some some additional talking points on that, because I feel, you know, it's funny, we, we bring up a lot of really frustrating problems on this podcast. And, and I think that's part of it. Part of it is we, we're thinking them through and we're talking, we're thinking out loud together about these, these really complex issues that we all are facing and, and, you know, increasingly facing, um, and not to give too much away, but I actually wanted to give a little bit of a, of a, of a, um, 
preview, a teaser, if you will, about next week. I expect we're going to have a pretty interesting uh, episode next week, assuming it all it all comes together and, and we're able to record mm. what we want to. Um, we have some interesting st- stories to tell about about people w- with some skills, with the aforementioned uh, tech skill set to protect yourself, still getting into some really uncomfortable um security situations and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that next time but but it's it's definitely something to think Excellent. about and, and i'd love it if if our listeners could could give us some feedback and some 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 additional talking points so that when we explore this a little bit further next week about how to protect ourselves and and whatnot um yeah if we could have some additional maybe listener questions that would be great that sounds good that sounds good i think we're um yeah. that's a great teaser I know, so like it's exciting. Goes. What are we talking about? Oh my god! Yeah, something yeah. terrible happened, and we're going to talk about it. <laughs> we're going to dissect it, and yeah, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, anyway, it should be good. And if not next week, it might be the following week. But I think I think we might be able to pull it together by next week. So now I feel so much pressure, and you know, <laughs> uh, good. It'll no. be good. It'll be good. Wonderful. So are we covered for this week. I think so. Unless you wanted to get into uh, more COVID stories. <laughs> Well, I, <laughs> like I'll, we I'll just give you, before. I'll give you and the listeners a very brief one, which is that um, I'll just put it this way. I'm over 65, but I'm under 75. And um, the uh, where I live in Santa Barbara, they aren't uh, vaccinating anybody uh, who's under 75 uh, or, you know, in the in a uh, in the healthcare business or something like that. So. Um, but we found that Los Angeles is, and they don't really care whether you live in Los Angeles or not. So we drove down to, we, we actually got on a site that's, um, run by something called, uh, Carbon Health and drove down to the, the, to Dodgers stadium to which I've never been because I was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan and I never forgave them for leaving Brooklyn. (laughs) Um, and that's how old I am, but, um, but it has vast doesn't cover how big that parking lot is. You could fit whole college campuses in that parking lot. Uh, it's 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 enormous, and uh, and and so there's room for a lot of cars to snake back and forth many times before finally getting in line for people to get COVID shots, which is not an obvious thing. It isn't like you drive up and it's like you're picking up a burger. They give you a shot and you keep going. No, they move a line of people into a length of uh, parking. And and then they go down that line shooting those people after those people give them a verifiable claim that they are who they are. And um, it's remarkably efficient uh, considering what it is. But the reason I want to bring it up is that uh, not only is did Carbon Health, I think, do a good job. But there's an organization called CORE, C-O-R-E, which is short for something longer. Um, And all of their workers, which are mostly volunteers, were incredibly helpful and friendly. And even though it took us three hours to go through this line, they had porta-potties there. People go use the porta-potties while their cars are parked for periods of time. And then if you had any questions, they'd come right over and answer the questions and, and, um, and, and were really nice. So CORE is starred by Sean Penn, the actor. And that's his job now. He's not acting very much, but he runs this thing. And it's one heck of a good organization. So I wanted to put in a little plug for them because they did a great job. I just thought they did a wonderful job. So, um, and we just got our first shot. We'll go back for the other one 
It's a Moderna shot. I'm not sure if it matters, except you have to get the same kind the second time around. Yeah. Um, anyway, here in, but in Texas, there are some, there are some like, good stories. I just put it that way. Yeah. There are some good well, stories. Well, you know, I followed what, you know, what you posted here and there, and it, it, was, it looked like an adventure for sure. I'm glad they had porta potties. That was good thinking. Yeah. Um, it seems yeah. like in, in Texas, um, the which vaccine you you get depends on the facility and it's uh, the the big hospital hubs will have the Pfizer one and generally everybody else has Moderna because they have the ability to store it at the correct temperature I guess right yeah so, well, they're both had to be stored at super low temperatures yeah but wh- yeah, how yeah. low I guess makes some yeah. difference the Pfizer one is way way lower it's it's um right yeah it's like ninety extreme. minus ninety yeah. Celsius or something like that yeah. oh my so. you know but yeah. But anyway, it's um, an interesting thing, too, is my wife is so private. She doesn't want me to use her name um, <laughs> as, uh, uh, you know, um, she's identifiable because she is the black rectangle on all the Zoom calls. <laughs> she's like always the <laughs> yes. black rectangle. Uh, anyway, that um, hers hurt like hell and, and her arm still hurts two days later. Oh, wow. And mine, I hardly felt it and I still hardly feel it. So yeah. who knows? It's a, it the it just depends on the person, I guess. Yeah, I've heard it's pretty common to have um, some arm pain from the first one. I hear the second one is the one that really, that really. I've heard that too. Know, yeah, I was sort of dreading that a little bit. I mean, I've, yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been around medical stuff for long enough that I actually don't, you know, um, uh, I'm, my threshold of pain is pretty high. Uh, yeah. In fact, I've been told, I was told that by a doctor once who was operating, I won't go into it, but the, that it was something where he couldn't use anesthesia and, oh. and, and I didn't flinch. And he said, did you have dentistry with, as a kid with no Novocaine? And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I never had Novocaine or anything like that until I was 17. And I had a lot of dental work. And, and he said, yeah, that you've, you were taught to tolerate pain. I had no idea that oh, that was, no, the case. I didn't even know but, that was, that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently you huh. could be taught and, and that that's, yeah, yeah, it's kind of sad, actually. Yeah, that is. Well, <laughs> it really if it makes is. you feel better about the second dose, I have an, an elderly relative who's actually in Israel, which is an interesting story because they are so far ahead of everybody on vaccination. I mean, of course, they have a smaller sure. population than we do, but they're, they're, they're already, I don't know, they're already vaccinating 20-somethings or something like that. They expect to have everybody vaccinated by March or the, by the end of March, maybe, or maybe even earlier. But um, so, the, but he got he got the the vaccine very early on, and and then said, you know, it was uneventful. Nothing, neither dose bothered him at all, and you know, no big deal. So, wow, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. it varies. Yeah, I haven't heard know. of any really bad people. Well, you know, reaction. this is one of the interesting things that that it bears mentioning, which is that everybody's different by you design. Know, you know, we. Different. And that's part of facial recognition too, and, and and vocal recognition. We we know each other by our faces and voices, even if we can't describe exactly what that is. And that's you know, computerizing that costs us something as human beings. That we lose something with that. And there's no way around it, I don't think, because we're not going to put that genie back. But we have lost something with that. Yeah. Um. So there we are. So there we are. Um. Yeah, be careful what you post. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. I'm much more careful than I ever used to be. Yeah. So so thank you everybody who's who's made it this far. Uh please reach <laughs> out to us. Go you can find us in various places on Twitter and Facebook and um 
on Mastodon and reality2cast.com with the number two. You can find us. We have a, you can contact us through the newsletter. There are lots of ways to get in touch. So please feel free. Um, if, especially if you have something, you know, you'd like to uh, contribute to the conversation about, you know, where do we go from here? How do we protect ourselves? How do we, um, how do we make the internet a better place? Let's say. So yeah, reach out and thank you so much for listening to us work through this and we'll see you next time or rather we will uh, talk (laughs) to you next time. Yeah, that's what we'll do.